Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 268. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello, everyone. I'm live and in Montreal. Woo! Woo! I have uh, all the inside deets. I had to leave. I had to leave. I came back. Well, I mean, you had that first-class ticket on the uh, MCTV. Yeah, for the one night. Yeah. What a terrible sleep that was. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I don't like, honestly, I don't like sailing on those things because they're flat bottom boats and they just rock way too much for me. Yeah, it wasn't too bad going up to St. Lawrence. It was all right. We anchored at Iroquois. Once we left the Iroquois dock, we anchored there and then left the next morning. So, is that the dock that uh, they completely destroyed Iroquois on? And then sent her to the East Coast for us to fix. Maybe it's the one that goes from, uh, it's the one in the United, uh, last one from the United States. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the lock. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. lock. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is our first show since uh, our live episode at McLean's. And I want to thank everyone that did show up and everybody that sent their, their well wishes and comments. Uh, we appreciate that. Well, not much has happened in the uh, in the week since. So no, I, I guess that's I the show. I don't even know why we're doing a show. I don't know. It's summer. I mean, there can't possibly be any hockey talk to be had. Not in the summer. It's 31 degrees out. No. Who's thinking hockey? Right? So, that's, but that's I am wearing weird. my draft hat. <laughs> 17th round pick. Um, all right, so this episode, we have quite a bit, actually. <clears throat> I know we joke and kid, but uh, the development camp happened immediately after the draft. Um, there were a couple of trades. There were a couple of signings. There's rumors. So, hey, why don't we just start with the development camp? Mm-hmm. So a couple days after the draft was finished, they they had their measurements done and Somehow Slavkowski, uh, I guess he shrunk an inch. Yeah, he shrunk about an inch. Yeah. And uh, then they had their on-ice sessions. They had their, and then finally a scrimmage game. 
So I watched a lot of the stuff that they were doing and I came away impressed by three prospects. Did you watch any of it? Yeah, I watched a little bit. I, I'll be honest, I was watching to see more what uh, Marie Poulain was going to do, Marie-Philippe Poulain, and how involved she was going to be. And uh, let me tell you, she was very, very, very involved to the point that even Vincent LeCavier was saying he was learning some things from her out there. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I watched a lot of it. There was a, a couple guys that impressed me out there. And uh, uh, let's see if I – we'll hear your list first and see if mine's similar to yours or not. Well, the first one is Slifkowski. He uh, he scored within seconds of the beginning of the camp, so yeah. he kicked it off. Uh, he he was he was everything that he was touted to be in that camp. I mean, granted, it's camp, and you know they're not going full speed, but he did all the things that he's been um, scouted as being skilled in. Yeah. Uh, he also showed a lot of uh, a lot of int- uh, hockey IQ in those small area games that they were playing. He was able to push pace, make quick and decisive plays, and accurate passes. So I was really impressed by his play. Um, the other one is Sean Farrell. You can tell that he his game has matured quite a bit since the last development camp, and. My God. I mean, after the Olympics and the world championships, uh, playing NCAA for a full season, he really impressed me with, with uh, just how he sees the ice, his vision along the ice. He, he, he knows where to go, where to be and how to get the puck to where it needs to be and be in, in a position to continue the play. Um, I think another year in the NCAA and we'll be talking about this kid heavily come March of this coming year when people are going to be begging for him to be signed. And the third one is Lane Hudson. I mean, that kid, holy geez, the skating on that kid. It's just, I, you know, it's one of the best. Well, yeah, I'd say he's one of the best skaters I've seen in my life. He is just so, so smooth. Yeah. All right. Two of mine are, are the same as yours, but one isn't. So I have Solowski, okay. of course. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was great. He's everything he was built to be. Uh, I believe he has a very, very good chance of making the uh, NHL next year. Um, guaranteed. Uh, but from what I hear, from Hughes hinting and talking and stuff like that. I think there's a spot kind of there for him to take, if that, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, the other uh, the other one was Hudson to me. I think Hudson's going to be the star defenseman we've been looking for for years. He's going to grow another two to three inches because of his uh, bone issue or his bone, his, whatever that is, his bones grow slower than the rest of his body or something. I don't know. Uh, but even at the five, eight, he is, he's not Victor Mete. Let's just say that. Um, cause even though he's small, I found even though he was small, he was using his body and he was, he was doing what, like he was holding off bigger guys than he was. So, I, I mean, I don't mean to trash Mete cause you know, I hate doing that, but uh, that's something Mete could never do. Like Mete, let's be honest, Mete could skate. He had the puck moving skills. It's just, he didn't have the IQ in either end to to finish his game where as in Hudson he can skate 
like magnificently like he's like a gazelle on the ice he's like a unicorn in space like it's you can quote that beth you're going to quote that unicorn in space um you know and then uh he he and he can skate circles around everybody uh he can handle the puck he has his hockey iq on the defensive end the offense and every zone is just high high up there i'm telling you right now this kid was six two he would have been a top five pick maybe top three yeah no i can't argue that at all i mean the he he had a couple of plays where he was up against larger players including slavkovsky and instead of trying to reach in or make a move that could compromise himself defensively he he noticed okay slavkovsky's cutting to the middle he's on his backhand he's about 15 feet out from the ice i'll give him that shot i'll just stay on him make it a little bit harder on him and, and it's a low percentage play for him to score. If he scores, well then, I mean, okay, but it's, he's playing percentages. He's playing his position. Yep. He is, he's guiding skaters to where he wants them to be so that he can defend against them. And that kind of, that level of intelligence will play very well for him, especially if he remains at a smaller stature. He's taking away the lanes. Like everything you say, yeah. in defense, best thing to do is take away the lanes. And that's what he's doing. He's taking away the passing lanes. And like you just said, all right, this guy's bigger than me. I'm probably not going to out-battle him, you know, for the puck or whatever. Let me just do this to make sure he goes that way. And that way, gives a, if he takes a shot, it's a low percentage shot. If it goes in, we'll blame Montembeau. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just like that. But my uh, my third guy was Heinemann, uh, the guy they got from Calgary. Yeah. I thought yeah. he had a very good camp. I, that, I'll be honest, that's the first for highlights that I've seen on, on YouTube and what people have put up. And I thought he was really good. Uh, his shootout uh, little goal there that he had, I thought was excellent. I don't always look at a shootout goal and think this guy is going to be the next best thing, but uh, I found he has a good hockey IQ. He has a good crisp pass. He's a, he's a fairly good skater. Uh, he knows his role. Well, um, I don't see him being much more than maybe a third liner winger or something like that. But uh, um I thought he had a good camp. I, uh, Sean Farrell, I thought had there, there was a few. I thought uh, Vertebeck, the goalie, Vertebeck, Verbatek, Vatic, Vatic. I thought he had a great. And out of that camp, he got himself a Laval Rocket contract. So uh, uh, that's yeah. good on him. I thought he had a pretty good camp. It's hard to judge goalies in these camps because it's not goalie friendly. But uh, um, yeah, I would say you know they're my three. Uh, Farrell's a close second because I, I like you. I thought Farrell had a great camp. Uh, I think he's having a great – I think he's going to be an NHL player. Uh, whether he's a star or not is going to be another question, but I truly believe uh, he's going to be a, a top nine, maybe top six type player. Maybe high ceiling second line, but a definite third line player. Uh, that's, that's what I see in Farrell. I mean, with him, you can you can see him as a top six player, but if he doesn't make it, I can you can see him as a uh... – uh, uh, a Charles Houdon. Uh, well, an NHL Charles Houdon. Not, yeah. not an AHL Charles Houdon. Well, he, he kind of in between, <laughs> up and down, up and down kind of thing. But yeah, but he's uh, got this. He's got that potential ceiling that he, he could be a top six winger. And if that could, if that ends up being <clears throat> the case, all the better. <clears throat> totally agree. Totally agree. And uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a good camp. Good three days. Uh, the scrimmage game was good. Uh, you know, um, 
the more I see Slavatsky, the more I hear about him, the more whatever, the more I'm uh, excited about the pick. Uh, again, I do think he's going to make the team, but don't put that in writing. That's uh, I think still think he has to earn it. Like I think with every young guy coming in, if he's ready for the NHL, he'll play in the NHL. If he's not, he won't. That's the way I look at they it. They also need the cap space for it. Well, right now they have it as long as they don't sign anybody else. <laughs> not, not really. Not really. He's got three point five million coming to him if you include bonuses, and you don't want that rolling over every year, right? So, true, true. Um, but uh, so, but I'm really looking forward to the prospect tournament that's going to happen in Buffalo in about three weeks. So it'll be really fun to watch. Unfortunately, no NCAA players will be there. No Lane Hudson, no Sean Farrell, uh, no Tyce Milanic, but they still have a pretty decent lineup showing up to that tournament. Well, they'll have uh, they'll have Heinemann, they'll have uh, they'll have Wah, they'll have uh, well, I don't know if they'll have Wah because uh, Wah, uh, Beck, and somebody else is supposed to go to the World Juniors. Uh, who was the third one? I can't remember who the Kidney. third one was. Yeah, they're supposed to go to the uh, the World Juniors, so I don't know if they'll play in that prospects tournament or not. Um, but if they do, I mean, I think we'll have a fairly good team. I mean, uh, I don't look at the to me, I don't care if they win or lose any of these games. It's, I just want to watch the players and see how they react in the situations. The only thing I don't like about these games is there's a somewhat a little bit of a head hunting. You can ask uh, Luke Ev- or uh, Jake Evans about that. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, yeah, that, that that's in the game. So if you can't handle that at that at that level, are you going to handle it in the NHL? I want to see Slavoski in a competitive, more competitive environment. Uh not that the Olympics and that wasn't competitive, but you know what I mean? Like a more competitive yeah. environment to D plus, you know, in his draft year uh, and just see how he handles himself. And uh, same with uh, the other Slovak there uh, that they, that they uh, got. Um, Mishar. 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 How do you say his name? Mishar. Mishar. Anyway. Sure. Yeah. I'm never going to get these names, but uh, I, I look forward to seeing how he yeah. plays well. I, I, I I didn't think he stood out in the development camp. So, uh, I mean, he, he, he looked like he was, he was able to keep up and push pace. Uh, he can play in the AHL this year because he was a European draft pick that signed, but, uh, Kitchener owns his rights. So my guess is they're leaning towards sending him to the OHL. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I know, uh, Hughes has said he's going to play in the um, in North America, whether that's Kitchener or the AHL. I don't know. They decide a bunch of players to play in the AHL, so I don't really see him. Maybe when he's done a season in Kitchener, you'll see it come up like uh, like Wa did and and uh, uh, Kidney. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I have no issue with him going to Kitchener at all. I'm not, no, I'm not either sure. do I. I think it's it would be a good step for his development. I believe. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those signatures that we've seen for. The rocket, uh, several of them are going to be ending up going to Tuatiat. So Correct. Joe Verbatic, yeah. he's likely to be one of the two goalies going down to Tuatiat, along with uh, DeRosier, who signed at the same time. Yeah, Philip DeRosier is more, I think, it's a veteran. He's going to be more of yeah. a Kevin Pool, Kevin Poolin type role. So. Uh... I'm actually surprised they never re-signed Kevin Poole unless he's looking for an NHL contract. But 
because um, he had a great year last year. And if DeRogier can do what Poulin did last year, then more um, backup for Caden Primo. Because I think this is going to be Caden Primo's year to play maybe 60 games in the AHL, hopefully, anyway, and uh, see what he can do. He had a great, uh, I will admit, when it comes to Primo, I was on my way to saying I don't think he's the guy. And then he had that playoff run for Laval. And who knows? Who knows? He salvaged that a little bit. He, he still needs that full bit. year to really prove himself. <clears throat> oh, definitely. He's not He's not NHL ready yet. He's not. No, no, no. Um, all right. So from the development camp, we're going to move on to free agency. So before, there was one signing that just, everyone's scratching their heads and wondering why. And that's Goudreau to Columbus. Uh he likes Ohio? I don't know. Um, I mean, Columbus is a nice city and all. Uh, you know, Ohio State uh, University's there. Um, it's, a, you I know, think, a couple million people. I think Johnny just wants to play in a low-level atmosphere hockey town. Um, you know, he, you know, Calgary, believe it or not, is actually a bustling hockey town in the, in the wintertime. And, and I think he just wanted to go So Maybe he really likes... I was going to say torts, but torts is in Philadelphia, but I don't know. May I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I knew, you knew he wasn't in Calgary, but you knew New Jersey and the Islanders were looking hard at him. So even those were kind of not as high profile as some other places, but I guess he just wanted middle America. I, I have no idea. It, well, it's it really, closer I, to, it's closer to where you grew up. Well, there you go. Maybe that's what it is. I don't, I, I, I'm stumped. Good for him. He even took lesser money. Yeah. That, that's what, that's yes, what surprised me. He took lesser money. Maybe it's a family thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's not all about it's not all about dollars and signs or dollars dollars and cents. So well, I mean it's uh, it's not it's not super close to where he grew up because he grew up in Jersey, but it's a quick flight from Newark to Columbus. I think it's like yeah. an hour. So that's way closer. Than going all the way to Calgary, which is a couple of connecting flights, but you know, but, and you're looking you know at about twelve hours of travel. You know what would have been closer, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. Columbus sold them on what they were doing, and I mean, they've got a really good family atmosphere there too. And it's not, you know, the the hockey market is a small hockey market, market, so he could probably walk around town and not worry. I think I'm leaning into that. I'm leaning into the fact he wanted to go a place where he knew it would be an honest. And uh, there, away you go, I guess. I don't know. This is about as strange a signing as Montreal signing the big star player that they signed as a UFA. Madison Bowie? Correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But with Goudreau, I mean, people were complaining that he showed no loyalty to the team i mean i'm sorry but this is pro sports where's the loyalty to the players i get tired of this whole no loyal if the team listen obviously he did not want to play in calgary anymore all right he was there he was there what six seven years or something like that i don't know how long he was there for but i mean if you don't want if he doesn't want to be there anymore he doesn't want to be there anymore like it's no different than jeff We'll get to it later. Jeff Petrie in Montreal. 
he loved Montreal, but situations changed, things changed, and now then he didn't want to be there anymore. And you know, like, can we tr- quit? It's like the Leafs thinking everyone who's from Toronto wants to sign a hometown discount to play for the Leafs. It doesn't happen. Sure, Jason Spezza did it, but that's Jason Spezza because he wanted to. Even at the end of his career, he made his money. Didn't care, right? Like other people are like, you know what? I want to. Maybe they want to go to. Uh, maybe he wants to go to Columbus because he can help build them a Stanley Cup. You know, build a team to a Stanley Cup. Maybe that's what he wants to do. He sees in Calgary they're in kind of a where are we going type spot, and he, and he'd rather either be with a team that's starting to build for a cup or a team already on its way to the cup. And I have no issue with that. I have no issue with people going for money. It's their lives. It's what they want to do. I would leave – if a job came to me tomorrow and said, we will give you twice as much as what you're making now, I would put my resignation into the military tomorrow. Here's my 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, has, it has nothing to do with loyalty because I look at it and say, all right, now it would be different if Calgary, you know, brought him out of the gutter and re, you know – rebuilt his game like Toronto's going to do with Mete and turn him into this, turned him into this big superstar. And, uh, but they didn't, he did that on his own. Now, do I think he's going to score a hundred some odd points in Columbus? No, I don't think he is, but uh, no, probably not. And with the loyalty part, I mean, you look at the, uh, you look at other teams around the league, like Vegas, they're every single year going after the shiny new object to the yeah. point that their cap is completely out of whack and they end up giving away a 35 goal scorer in Pacioretty to Carolina for future considerations, who seems yeah, to be really, the most popular player in the league. I, I want to know who that guy is. And I want to, I, I've been looking him up on hockey reference to see how many points he gets a year. And I can never find him. He's no. a secret player, but, but he's been everywhere. So, they lack the loyalty to the guys that they brought into Vegas to the point where they're just signing more guys and more guys and more guys where they end up losing all these really good hockey players. I mean, how do you not get something for Pacioretty? Even when he had a trade demand in and refused to report, the Canadians still got a pretty decent return. Well, I, they got an okay return, I guess. They get what? Thomas Tatar and some prospect dude that I never heard of. Yeah, and some draft pick. Some Nick Suzuki. Oh, and the draft pick was... Norlander. Rome. Norlander, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I know people do, oh, we won the trade yeah. because Vegas has nothing, but I don't look at it that way because there's two totally different trades. So, both teams won that trade. I don't care what anyone says. But Vegas screwed it up by Vegas screwed not it managing up by, themselves. And how uh, George McPhee still has a job in Vegas, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I absolutely I have, no, have idea. no idea. If you have to give away a potential 40-goal scorer, for nothing because you don't have cap space to hold anyone else on your team. Like, why did they go get Eichel if they knew they couldn't afford him? Because he was the shiny object. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, can't, I don't see – I'm glad Kent Hughes – we're going to get into this later. Uh, he's not doing stupid stuff like that. So No, he is not. And I, I was kind of going to segue from that and say, well, you compare what uh, McCrimmon's doing in Vegas – to what Hughes is doing in Montreal. So you mentioned Petrie. Petrie requested a trade, said he would mm-hmm. still play until he found something that kind of fit. But Hughes went all out and found something just yesterday. Well, Ken Hughes said right from this trade deadline last year, 
that yes, Jeff Petrie, he was taking calls on Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie, mind you, according to Hughes, Jeff Petrie never came out and asked for a trade. He told Hughes what his situation was, and they mutually agreed that maybe him moving to a different team would be the best answer for Jeff Petrie. So I'm only saying this because you know you're going to have the people, oh, Petrie quit on the team. Petrie hated Montreal. Petrie hated the situation in Montreal at the time. He has a family of, what, four kids under the age of – his wife's pregnant, three kids under the age of six. They were living in Michigan because of the, what's going on and in, in what was going on with COVID, and it was affecting him's game. And you know what? I get that. He's a family man. His family comes first. I get Ken Hughes. Ken Hughes said, yep, Jeff, I'll entertain that, but only if it works for both of us, right? Jeff being – the logical issue said, I agree to that. So before anyone says he quit on the team, he did not because he could have easily said, no, I want to trade ASAP, right? I don't give a shit what you get back. And he didn't. Um, so lo and behold, Blaine Poppin and I are sitting at the draft and I get a picture of a yeah. ball behind the table because he walked around a little bit looking for the table. Uh, and he's talked to Ron Hextall. I put out a tweet. Saying, uh, there could, is there a trade? I didn't say it with Petrie. So before anyone says, I didn't say it was Petrie, but Blaine, you mentioned to me, maybe they're talking Petrie. You you said that at the draft. Lo and behold, nine days later, Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling are traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Mike, Montreal native Mike Matheson and a fourth-round pick in 2020. Now, yeah, so at the draft, I mean, they talked for about 15 minutes and then mm-hmm. shook hands and said, okay. So there is something that they had laid out and it looked like it was something that had to happen after Pittsburgh made another move, which well, turned out it was. They chated uh, Smith to Marino. New Jersey. Marino. No. Yeah. They got Smith from Marino New Jersey for, for Marino. New Jersey for, yeah. for, yeah, for Marino. So they traded away at, their, Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And they traded him away to make space on the right side for Petrie to come oh, in. Yeah as well under the cap. So it kind of fits under the cap for them. Um, And you look at the return that Hughes got for him. So this is a 34 year old defenseman uh, making 6.25 million. And he's going to be on the decline soonish. I don't think it'll happen for another year or two, but nonetheless, instead of having to eat some cap and then give away a prospect on top of that, just to take the player like they, like uh, San Jose did with Burns, the Canadians in return got Mike Matheson. So there's a guy who's from Montreal who, whose family lives there. So now one guy's family situations improved going to Pittsburgh and the other one's improved by going to Montreal. It's kind of like a win-win there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matheson makes four point eight seven million. Like it, it, it was a, I would say for him as a friendly, he really broke out uh, last year with his eleven goals, yeah. thirty one points. Um, he, when he was signed, they expected this breakout to be a year or two earlier. Uh, he's twenty eight years old, so you 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 lost six years of age on your defenseman. He's in twenty eight years is about the prime for defenseman twenty eight to thirty two, and uh, you have him for the next four years, so you have him in his prime, uh, and then he becomes a free agent. So uh, that gave him, along with uh, Paling, they gave up seven million dollars in cap space to uh, Paling seven hundred and fifty uh, to Pittsburgh, and they only got 
a little under five back, or they they got yeah. a little under. So it gave them enough money to go sign the person that everyone thought they lost. Yeah, they saved about two point one million dollars yeah. under the cap, and then they used one point one of that to sign Rem Pitlick. Right, which. Piblick would ask for more money because arbitration would have gave him around three million. So I was kind of yeah. That's kind of to me that shows Rem Pitlick wanted to stay in Montreal. Yeah, he and I think he understands that if he were to sign a contract of that amount, that it would only be the one year. And if he did not meet uh, the level expected of a three point five million dollar player, yeah. probably wouldn't get another one. But now at one point one, not only can the team waive him and not have anything on the cap. He is paid as a fourth liner should be paid. Right. And the expectations for him now are not astronomical. I mean, he did, he scored 26 points in 46 games for the Canadians. If he does 25 to 30 points over the entire season next year, the, no one's going to be upset by that. A 30 no. point guy for 1 million bucks, no one's upset. No. And uh, yeah, he played well last year. He was what? eighth i think in rookie scoring last year um yes he, he he played very well in minnesota and they didn't have any room for him he was buried behind some players he he's a guy you can play up and down the lineup so if you get some injuries or whatever you can throw him in that top six if you really need to get he can play center so he's very uh vers- so you do have a guy in kirby doc uh who's a center but does he have any issue with his face-offs uh and stuff like that here's a guy you could kind of throw in there and Say all right, Kirby, your your faceoffs are off tonight. We're going to throw, you know, whatever. You get a guy on the wing that's going to complement the set faceoff circle. Um, so I, I don't mind. I don't mind the Pitlick sign. It was a surprise to me. I'm glad they got him. I like Pitlick from last year. Um, but I'm with you. I don't see him being any more than a third line player, fourth line maybe. At best, we are deep on wing, uh, deep, deep, deep on wing. But we're deep on wing with. Not a lot of top six wingers. So uh no, that's true. There's only I'd say maybe three legit top six wingers. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson, Caulfield, and Slavkowski. Slavkowski. Maybe Gallagher. Maybe if he's old Gallagher. Mm. But I still see Gallagher as the third liner. So Yeah. That's just... uh it, I'm expecting a lot from Gallagher this coming season with the extra time yeah. off to rest, recuperate, train. Uh, the motivation factor to come back from a really bad year. I'm expecting quite a bit out of him. Not a 30 goal year, mind you, but you know, a 2020 40 point guy. I'm expecting 2025 goals and 40, 40, 40, maybe maybe 50 points at the high end. Maybe, maybe I'll be happy with 40. If he gets 40, I'll I'll consider that a success. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, And on the blue line, what we're going to see is probably going to see two rookies. So any kind of Baron Harris and Gooley. So two of them are going to be in the lineup. I'm going to put more emphasis on Baron because he's a right-hand shot. So it'll be down to Gooley and Harris kind of battling it out for that, that last spot. I think, if they all make it, I think you'll see St. Louis do what he did last year and kind of rotate the three out. You're never going to have two in the, you know what I mean? Like you'll never have two in the lineup at the same time. So you'll play a game, sit yeah. two, play a game, sit two. Uh, 
until they prove Baron, I think, is a little bit ahead of everyone else. Uh, so I agree with you. I think Baron will be that guy. But, I mean, you still have on the right side, you still have Weidman and Savard. Uh, so Baron does have that little bit of an in in there because, you know, they don't have many, they don't have many other options. Uh, well, they got guys who can play both sides. So yeah. Schooneman's a guy who's played both sides. Uh, yeah. Mike Matheson's a guy who plays both sides. Play both sides, yeah. Um, but I think what you'll see is you'll see uh, Matheson and uh, Savard probably take the top line with Edmondson and maybe Weidman or Barron. You could see a guy like Barron playing with Edmondson. Edmondson will shelter I him. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that's my expectation, that Edmondson would play the role of big brother on something right. in a yeah. in a role like that um and then but, you got uh, uh, yeah wide men and hair yeah. slash ghoulie yeah really that, yeah. that's how i see it anyway and the ice time is going to be shared a bit i think they'll yeah. do a pretty good job of uh spreading that out uh power play time going to you know guys like harrison baron versus penalty kill time that would go to guys like ghoulie um yeah. and I don't think we're going to see a bit next season's blue line is no better than last season's, which was bad. <laughs> they were, they were bad. They were bad, but uh, let's see who the goalie's going to be. Is it going to be Carey Price? Is it going to be Jake Allen and old Montembeau? Is it going to be Price and Allen? Is it going to be Price and Montembeau? Let's see. Cause let's admit if you got a good Carey Price or a healthy Carey Price, your defense can be a little slack. Can be. Yeah, well, it could be sheltered. It could be sheltered. It can be sheltered, right? Uh, but if you don't, if you yeah. have a Sam Montebo back there, then you're going to get slaughtered every night. Sorry. True. Defense Sam Montebo, but But uh, for the people that are screaming tank, 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 this blue line is not going to be the difference between, you know, picking third overall and picking 10th overall. Like, they're not any better than they were last year. Matheson even brings what Petrie had with the Canadians. They play a similar game. It's just that Matheson plays on the right side or on the left side. And he can actually make a pass on the power play. It broke up there. I didn't know what you said. Yeah. So Matheson and <laughs> Petrie yeah. uh, play similar, similar styles. Whereas Matheson plays on the left and can make yeah. a pass on the power play. Yeah, well, it, it, the defense, again, I don't think this team, and I kind of get in a little discussion with someone who says he's a pro hockey player and he knows everything about hockey on Facebook, where I said, the problem with this team is this team is not bad enough to be a bottom five team. It's not. I'm sorry, but it isn't, especially if you have a healthy price. Although this guy seems to think Price is done for his career because he's he's garbage now. And anyway, the point I'm making is bottom ten, sure. Yeah, I can see this team being out. You got to remember this team was 14, 19, and four in a Martin St. Louis with Sam Montebo as your number one goalie. Think about that, Sam Montebo and a crappy defense, and there were only five games under five hundred. So this team is not. I don't. They're not making the playoffs. I don't care who you got goaltending. Playoffs? Playoffs? But I don't see them finishing bottom five either. So I say uh, somewhere between eight, nine, and ten is where they're gonna where, where they're gonna finish. I, I 
depending on what happens between now and training camp, who's added, who's subtracted, um, come next season, I can see the team fall to like a bottom five pick based on injuries. So if there's key injuries sure. to players, which sure. will happen. So it's how long are they out and who's right. missing? Are they, are there several players gone at the same time? Are they going to be gone for long periods? You can say that about any team though. Really? Well, with this team specifically, because there's yeah. not much well, in the way of high end players. If you have Sam Montebo, your number one goalie, then yes, I will agree. This team will be a bottom five team. Yeah. Sure. Right. But if you have a healthy Jake Allen or a healthy Carey Price, they remain relatively healthy all year. Then no, this team's not a bottom five team. It's not a playoff team. It's not a cup contending team. It's not a bubble team. It is a bottom 10 team. Yeah. Like a 10th overall pick nine to 11, somewhere in there, Nine, somewhere nine, to, I'll say even eight to 12, somewhere in that sure. window, somewhere yep. in that window. Yeah, absolutely. But that all depends on what else is added and subtracted. Well, like I said, they haven't re-signed Herbie Doc yet, and Sam Montebos hasn't been signed. Mind you, they can sign Montebo tomorrow for league minimum, I, was, I, I would assume. Uh, yeah. But Doc's probably going to want more than what Rem Pitlick got, even though... Yes. Uh, I can see I can see Doc asking for 3.5 in a bridge really? deal. So 3.5 over a bridge deal for Doc is what I can see. Like a two-year deal, 3.5 per season. Sure. I see about two and a half. But yeah, three and a half. I I wouldn't be surprised three and a half. That's fine. Over a bridge deal. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, But they don't have that. They only have like 1.2 plus they got to pay that overage fee when the seat, you know, coming up. So. Well, they've got that covered right now. They need to move another player out. But but that's what I'm saying. They only have 1.2 yeah. in cap space. So once you pay that overage, you only have like 500,000 or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And then, right? So you have to move a player out. You have to move at least three to $4 million out somehow, some way. And then, now, now Byron's supposed to go on LTIR, but you can't wait for the season. Yeah. To, you can't wait for the season to start to put a guy on LTIR because you got to sign that guy before. I mean, you can go over. You can go 10% over the cap, I guess. So. Yeah, they and as long as you put him on LTIR before the season or just as the season's starting, you're okay. But anytime you ask or you you talk about the Canadians dropping salary, the first name everyone pops up is get rid of Hoffman. Oh, it's going to be Hoffman. My question is, who the fuck wants him? Calgary, and what will it cost to get Goodrow. rid of him? They just lost Goodrow. They could Calgary could take another winner. Listen, yeah, but everyone hates Hoffman because he doesn't play defense and he floats around. But Hoffman has his his points. Like Hoffman, supposedly, even though he didn't do it in Montreal, supposed to be good on the power play. Well, he was near the end of the season. But my point is, with Hoffman, because he doesn't play really well defensively, and and by that I mean not so good, um, it's going to cost an asset with him for someone to take that contract, especially if you you're hoping that the Canadians aren't eating some of that cap. Well, it doesn't look to me like Ken Hughes wants to eat any cap from anyone. No, no, and no. He proved, he proved that with Jeff Petrie. He was not eating any cap from Jeff Petrie. So if you want to get, I, 
I don't think it's going to be Huffman is going to be the guy they're going to move. I really don't. No. But uh, if they're going to move Huffman and what's he four and a half million or something, he would be the perfect move. But you're going to have to eat something. You're going to have to give up a high draft pick or a top prospect. By top prospect, I mean like B level. Yeah, B level prospect in order to get rid of him. So, and then you got to find a team with the cap space to take him. Uh, who needs a winger? Um, now that Kadroka is gone, Calgary is, comes in mind to me. You know what I mean? But uh, does Calgary want to really want Mike Huffman over there? There's whatever. Um, to me, I think you'll be better off trying to move a guy like Armia or a guy like uh, – I want to say a guy who has wrist injuries and, you know, he's already been run out of town here in Montreal by the – the fans and the media, um, which you know me, I'm, I think you're on me yeah. with this. I don't agree with that, but uh, and he's on an expiring contract, so someone could take that because it's an expiring contract. But again, you might have to throw something in with that and say, "Hey, take this contract." So who do you? It's tough. I, I would say it's not, with a guy like him, if you're not giving up a high prospect or a high pick, yeah. I could see that. I can see Hughes then saying, "You know what? I'll eat one million because it's yeah. an expiring deal. Yeah, I can I can see him doing the same thing he did with Danadov, bringing Danadov over to uh uh get rid of Weber's contract there, right? To yeah. so he doesn't yeah. have 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 that over. uh I take a guy who's on a, a one-year contract that maybe maybe a, a veteran defenseman that you can throw in there as your seventh defenseman to give the rookies a break or help the rookies out. Um yep. However, it has to be an expiring contract that still gives him enough money to sign Kirby Doc and Sam Montembeau. So, where do where you know getting rid of four and a half million only to bring four million back is just your waste. That's why why bother? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? so, and so it, I think it might be Anderson his his best bet. I hate to see it, and I don't think Hughes wants to get rid of Anderson, or he would have traded him already. I think uh, he's pretty much yeah. said, "If you want Anderson, you're overpaying for Anderson." But maybe taking depends on what the overpay is and who takes him. Um, I mean, could they get a third? If they can get a third first round pick, and uh, I don't know, a, a, a nice young player, like I don't know, maybe if they trade him to Winnipeg for a certain <laughs> player there. But then again, what's the rush to get that? Well, anyway, we'll talk about that later. But I don't know. We'll just I jump just, into it now. Might as well jump into it. So, if you want to make that trade, then uh, you're ma- if you're trading Anderson, you're trading him in a deal for Pierre Luc Dubois. That's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And Dubois has been rumored, according to several sources, and including his agent. Agent. He wants uh, Montreal. He wants to play in Montreal. And really, so here's the issue you have. You have a rock, Ken Hughes, and a hard place, Kevin Chevelday. Both of them are stubborn as hell. Both of them do not make a trade unless they're going to get exactly what they want. And then you have Dubois. (laughs) So now I had a little thing today where I did not know this. I didn't know Dubois was at the draft, but apparently he was. Um, Now, a lot of people didn't know he was there because. The people we talked to had no idea he was there. We talked to some 
And a guy on, on Twitter said, hey, he was at the draft. And I said, I don't think he was. And he quoted up, well, this podcast said he was. Well, I don't, you know, I won't even trust my own podcast, let alone someone else's podcast for rumors. But then someone brought up an athletic uh, article by Arpin that said, yes, he his agent said he was there with his family expecting a trade. Um, yeah. So either uh, Renaud Lavoie, uh, either he... Uh, that's the trade he was talking about that was on the table. Now, apparently Montreal offered three players to uh, Winnipeg for Dubois. This is the rumor. And yeah. uh, Winnipeg turned it down. So here's the issue. Ken Hughes is, I think uh, Winnipeg wants a top player like Caulfield, uh, something like that is what I think they no. want back. Um, I think that's, that's where the happening. stalling it's not ha- I'm, I'm I'm just using Caulfield as a name. I don't have any, yeah. but yeah. I think they, they want one of Montreal's highest, like it's either Caulfield or doc or Slavosky or something like that is what they want back for Dubois. And I don't think Ken Hughes is budging on that. Um, a lot of people think doc was just traded to get Dubois, but I did. I, why didn't they just trade for Dubois straight out and not bother getting doc? Like, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I believe uh, it's one of those Kent isn't going to step back from what he wants. But the ball's in Montreal's court. If Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to go to Montreal, the ball's in their court. It's not in Winnipeg's court. True. I mean, if it, this is something that looks like it's eventually going to happen, where he's going to end up in Montreal. Maybe not this summer, but a couple of years down the road, because he's not looking at a long-term deal if he signs any. Yeah. Um, today it's the 17th of July and this afternoon at 5 PM, he did not file for arbitration, which means he's open to offer sheets that kind right. of pushes shovel day off's hand. So that, that was done on purpose. That was done, now Montreal's of not going to offer sheet them because they don't have the money to offer sheet. Them. And even if they did, are they going to offer sheet and lose their first round pick next year? No, they're not. No. Especially if they expect to be a bottom 10 team. Um, exactly or with some other people say who say they know hockey a bottom five team because they know hockey anyway uh <laughs> i don't even uh but the point i'm making is is and then this is why i think the ball's in montreal's court because they're just like all right well you don't give us what i we can't get him for what we want to give you sign him sign him to the deal you know he's going to tell you he only wants a one or two year deal once that deal's over we'll take him as a free agent if he wants to play here so bad he'll come for a discount that's the way, and plus, in two years, Montreal will have the money. We yeah, they'll it. have the need. They'll definitely have the yeah. need for him at that point, yeah. and yeah. they'll have the money for it. Uh, Winnipeg, man, they're a mess. They don't know. You don't know where they're going to go. They don't know if they're going to rebuild. They don't know if they're going for it. They're missing a ton of parts. You know, maybe three different pieces that they could possibly get from the Canadians. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, but yeah, I, I, you see it online. You see it online. These people are, are saying it's Suzuki or bust. I mean, I don't know what crack, where they buy their crack. It's not Suzuki. But it's not Suzuki. No. I mean, in the same tweet saying it's Suzuki or nothing, they say they also go back, uh, down and say that, hey, we don't have much leverage. Well, if you have no leverage, you're not going to get the top return. No. No. Well, see, see, I know Winnipeg, 
Jets fans are saying. And I think there's some truth to some of this. I do think it's a high-profile player that they want back. I do think – I don't know if it's Suzuki. Yeah. But I do think it's like a Gooley or a, or a Caulfield or a Slavosky or an Anderson, right? And I don't see any of those players. Anderson maybe, but Ken Hughes really likes Anderson, and he really wants – because if, if he wanted to get rid of him, he would – would have traded him a long time ago. Yeah, and, uh, but I don't think Anderson would be the sticking point here. I think it's the Suzuki Caulfield. No, it's um, the Suzuki Caulfield, one of, those. one of those guys that, that they're asking for yeah. to stick it. I, I agree. I, and that's why I said earlier, if there is a trade for Dubois, Anderson could be part of that. Because, yeah. I mean, they do need a power forward, Winnipeg. Winnipeg will need a center when they get rid of Dubois. Winnipeg needs defense. The only thing they don't need is goaltending. That's the only thing they don't need. Yeah. And the right. Canadians can easily offer up uh, an Edmondson and a, a Dvorak and, and an Anderson and maybe a pick. Yeah. They can and throw all that, that in. To me, that's an overpayment, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it clears up a ton of cap space. It fills, fills all the does. holes they've got. It does. It does. And it, gets, um, it gets the Canadians ball rolling. Yeah. And then with that cleared cap space, they can fill the defense up with a couple veterans. That way they don't need to worry about the rookies and, Maybe you're a little bit better than a top bottom ten team. Maybe a little bit better, but but the the goal here is though down the road. Is this a th- a piece that they would really need to be a a cup contending team in say two to three years? Yeah, but in two or three years they can get them for free without giving up anything. exactly exactly. <laughs> that that's my whole point about this. Like this is why. Ken Hughes is sitting back and going, I don't care what you want, Kevin. This is what I'm going to give you. Take it or leave it. <laughs> you know, and that's and the beauty if, with Hughes, how he's been managing things. Yeah. He, he knows where the pressure points are. He knows what he can get away with. And he's been pushing right to that, that ledge. And, and another thing on Matheson is Ken Hughes was his agent until Ken Hughes became GM of the Montreal Canadiens. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, he, yeah, uh, LeCalvier was his agent, but that's the same agency. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, and they're from the same hometown. So, yeah. but when it comes back to Dubois, I have a feeling. I said it wasn't going to happen, but now I have a feeling that it probably is going to happen this year. Um, but then again, you get Dubois, you still got to sign him. Yeah, <laughs> he's an RFA. That's where you that's going to sign him. And you don't want to sign for just two freaking years. You're going to want like an eight-year deal or something along those lines. And that eight-year deal is going to be close to what Suzuki's getting made, if not more. The stats are similar. You have, yeah, you I would have say a, around. So yeah, you have a 23-year-old who scored 60 points twice. So he's going to yeah. get about eight million. And where are we getting that eight million? Where's the Canadians getting that eight million? Unless they get rid of Dvorak, Anderson, and somebody else. And a, an established defenseman like an Edmondson, because they yeah. do not want to have Savard. I guarantee it. Uh, Savard wait. Savard played well after he came back from his injury. I don't care what yeah. he says. But he's not. But an if Edmondson. you're, he's, he's no. not an Edmondson. Edmondson can play well and guide the young guys along. So, plus, who's going to do all the uh, insurance commercials if Savard gets traded? Bois. 
but I, I agree with you. Like you, yeah, I never thought of that three combo, but that's probably the best combo to give. But does Winnipeg want veteran type players or do they want, see, that's again, you get, what's Winnipeg doing? Are they, are they going to blow up the farm and rebuild or do they still think they got a chance to burst that bubble and make it into the go far in the playoffs? Because if they want to blow it up, if they want to blow it up, they don't want those three guys. Maybe Dvorak and Anderson. They don't want Edmonton, right? And I don't know how I don't know how bad Montreal wants to give up Anderson. Do they want to give him up for Dubois? I would. I give credit to Dubois. He wants to go to Montreal as a French player and live under the scrutiny of if you have a bad game, you might as well leave the city and if you have a great game you might as well own the city so yeah yeah it's a little bit bipolar on that uh that front. a little bit but it, you think yeah a little bit but it, it, it's clear that he's not happy in winnipeg and he's willing to play hardball i mean even if he signs a deal i i don't see it being longer than one to two years they're not he's not going to give ufa years away no He's going to keep his option open. He's going to turn 26 and uh, sign as a free agent with the Canadians for like eight, nine million bucks a year. Well, At a time really when the blows. Canadians have that space. And even, if he, even if he blows up and, I don't know, goes crazy and scores like 80, 85 points or 90 points, he's still only going to get about nine, $10 million. Yeah. And, and But back to the the Jets what kind of team are they trying to put together? Are they trying to win? Are they trying to make the playoffs? Are they, they going to rebuild? Like they don't, if they don't know what the hell they're doing, it makes sense that he doesn't really want to stay. So basically shoveled off is the new Bergman. You have no idea what your team, which way your team's going. One year you make a Eastern, make a conference final. The next year you finish dead last. Winnipeg Jets. We need uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. we need John Lou's Bergevin song as our theme song. Ooh. When he sent that to us, that that was an amazing song. If anyone d- uh, doesn't know what we're talking about, he ended up posting it on his Twitter feed. Yeah. Tim singing karaoke. And if there's a real life Fonz somewhere in the world, it's John Lou. Yeah, he made up a song uh, about Bergevin. Uh, yeah, based French. on a, a, yeah, it's a yeah. French folk song that he he yeah. changed the lyrics to, and it's incredible. It's just incredible. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's so. I don't want a deal to get done because I think we can just let him sign for two years because he's not going to sign any more in two years with anybody with Winnipeg. You know that for a fact. Uh, yeah. Apparently, the Winnipeg. Uh, dressing room is a toxic atmosphere. I guess there's a lot of, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of this always quit on two teams. Well, Columbus, him and Torts didn't get, if you don't get along with your coach, you don't want to play there anymore. Has, I don't think he gave up on them. I think it was just a matter of, I can't work with this coach. And I don't think Torts could really work with him. I think it was one, of, it was a Petrie Ducharme type situation, right? I don't think it was a, he wanted to give up on the team. Same with Winnipeg. There's a toxic locker room in Winnipeg. Um, and, you know, he just wants to go home, I guess. He wants to pull the Tavares. There's going to be pictures of him in his pajamas, Montreal Canadiens pajamas. Uh, 
when he gets over there. And hopefully I'll get a tweet when he scores his first goal in a preseason scrimmage. It, in practice on an open net. Yeah. In warm-up. Yeah, I'm surprised TSN didn't ding me when Savosky scored in the scrimmage. You, you didn't see TSN. a damn thing. Didn't see a damn thing on TSN. They were busy talking about uh, Matthews's uh, cookie recipe. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> Thought it was Marner's. Wasn't it Marner's cookie recipe? No, I think this year they went with uh, Matthews because oh, okay. Marner taught him how to bake, so they wanted to see how well he did. Oh, yeah. He's still stuck at oatmeal raisin. <laughs> I like oatmeal raisin. Yeah, well, he's the oatmeal raisin of humanity. <laughs> He's a person, oh, but nobody likes him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, well, terrible. What, what are you going to do? We we make jokes. We make jokes. Leave the um, young balding man alone. Christy, I've got more hair than him. That's that's not good. Oh. Anyway, I think that pretty much covers everything we were going to talk about uh, for this week. Um, do you have anything else? Yeah, before we go, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois, a Montreal Canadian this season. Um, I'm going to say 80% yes. Because I've been talking to some people out of the contacts we made over the the week that we were there. And some people I knew before. And there's a big move still to come. And I think it's him. I've been talking to some people out of the context that we made, and uh, I'm I'm almost with you. I think it's going to come down to whether which GM is going to give, and and I think, and I kept saying this, I think it's going to be Shovel Day off because Hughes doesn't really have to, so why would he? And that's a direct quote from this person I talked to. Hughes doesn't have to give, so why would he? Right. So yep. Hughes is been trying patient to win. so far. He's not trying to win right now. So no. whether he gets Dubois right now or not is irrelevant. He knows he's going to get him eventually. <laughs> well, even next year would work for him because he'd have an extra $20 million in cap space. Yeah. But he, the, the, the exact quote I got from person I'll leave unnamed, uh, he said he knows he's going to get him eventually. Why? What does it matter if he gets him now or later? To hit on his side. Yeah. He, and we both agree it's going to happen this year, but it's going to be shovel day off. Yeah. Taking what he's off. Yeah. Especially now that uh, he can take offer sheets. He didn't go to arbitration. So yeah. it's kind of pushing. Yeah. The, yeah. He's kind of pushing his cards and saying, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else? No, I got none. All right. Well, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening. Uh, last week's show was one of our most listened to. I guess they liked the fact that we were at a bar. I felt that that was a good touch. Uh, it didn't hurt that we had several, you know, famous people there. You know, the uh, the crew from Happy Hour, super famous. And honestly, we had a great time with them. Really did. All week long. Hung out with yeah. those guys. Uh, I want to thank John Lee else? for hanging out, hanging out with us all night long. We were prom- We promised not to tell people to ruin his rep. <laughs> we have pictures, Blaine. We shared them. <laughs> I didn't. I followed his rules. He had rules. 
No, no, he's, yeah, he was fun. Um, yeah, but I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, keep sending comments, keep sending emails. Uh, remember, we have that merch store now. You can buy hats, t-shirts, uh, cups, flags, whatever. And 100% of the money goes to Vets Canada. So we're trying to do our part to help uh, end veterans homelessness. So if whatever you buy, we'll go to that. It, don't worry. It's not helping us. We're not buying beer off this. We're giving that to the community. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yaz from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.